Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. Now, Roman Gabriel III. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk. Faith, family, and sports. My friend Chris Kraft, the Chris Kraft Family Foundation. Yes. You know all about him because he's been on the show so much. But we got a special guest. Linda, is it? Linda Wortman, right? Yes. Cancer survivor of 10 years now? 10 years. And a Viking fan, obviously. Obviously. But I'm also a huge fan of all cancer survivors. Is that right? Who have, especially those with lung. That's awesome. That's awesome. Chris, yes. uh, you guys are doing so much good work. You're able to tell us uh, about all the people that are being impacted by the Chris Draft Foundation. And you're, Absolutely. You're, you're working all the time to make it better for families. Tell me about where we're at. Uh, I'll tell you. We, you know, we're, we're changing the face of lung cancer, and, and that's our mission that we're doing every day. And, you know, somebody asked, well, you know, why would you do that? I mean, how did that, how did that just come about? Because I definitely did not wake up one day and say, hey, I just want to do something with lung cancer. And so my wife, Keisha, was diagnosed with lung cancer in December of 2010, right after I got done playing in the NFL and, and ended up passing in, in December of 2011, but not before we were able to get married in November of 2011. And, and on that day, we made two commitments, and that one was to each other. And the other one was to the cancer community. You know, and that before we got married, she came to me and said, what if we asked all our, all our fa- family and friends that are coming to donate to the foundation? What if we, we take a stand and, and fight for other people? So on, on that day that we were you know, confirmed together, we also confirmed that, that my wife would now be a survivor advocate that was willing to fight for other people. And so that's really what our, you know, the, the foundation has done. You know, after she passed, we kind of stayed right in that, that, same, that same lane and say, where are our survivor advocates? Where are our people that will stand up for other people? And, and Linda was one of the ones that we found fairly, you know, pretty, pretty early. She said it five years ago wow. here in Minnesota because it, it wasn't about just getting survivors, but really getting survivors and saying, we need you to stand up for your community. You know, and that community is not just the Atlanta community. That is the Minnesota community. That is the Iowa community. That is the Missouri community. Wherever that is, we have to find and build a relationship with a survivor that's willing to stand up for their folks. So what are you doing this year? At so what we did is we built the relationships. We, we, we went to, to find our survivors. You know, again, Linda was one of them. And then we, then we uh, created this Super Bowl challenge. And then essentially we said, hey, raise for your cancer center, raise for your organization, and whoever raises the most money will go to Super Bowl. So this is the fourth year that we've done it. 80% of the money that they raise, if they raise over $5,000, goes back to their cancer center. Linda is raising for the Mayo Clinic, which is based here in Rochester, Minnesota. She's raised $50,000 this year. Another one of our survivors who we we just had to call it a tie because both of them basically raised the same amount, even though Linda's pushed it a little bit more since we called it uh, January 1st. And so he's going to come here a little bit later. Well, Linda, tell me about your experience uh, as a 10-year survivor. Uh, how did you find out, and, and, and where where has your transition gone to to today? Chris mentioned that my husband and I flew for Northwest. So every year we would have our flight physicals at Mayo Clinic. Shockingly, January 11, 2008, with the aid of a CT scan, they discovered that my weird choking cough and... My horrific shoulder pain was no no small thing that it was in fact lung cancer. I never smoked, so I was very devastated. Um, 
with that, within 72 hours, I was in surgery. Dr. Stephen Cassidy, my thoracic surgeon here, yeah. took out most of my left lung. And I love to tell people he put in a running shoe because, you know, there's a lot of stigma with lung cancer. But after meeting Chris Draft, who Dr. Cassidy introduced me to at my five-year point, I ran a 5K race in all 50 wow. states and then started running a 10K in every continent. Um, the reason for that was to be like Chris Draft, follow in his footsteps and help spread the awareness. And what could be a better platform than Super Bowl here in Minnesota? What a great way to let everybody know we are for all lung cancer survivors. We want to bring all of those people together. We understand their pain and their loneliness. And what a great opportunity to rise above all of that and say, we are in this together for you. So this year we raised, with my husband, we raised almost $51,000. And uh, we can't wait till Mac gets here because we're gonna keep the challenge going and keep the hope going. Linda Wartman with us, 10-year uh, cancer survivor, Chris Draft from the Chris Draft Family Foundation. And I was gonna ask you that, you know, so many cancer survivors and uh, this is something that impacts so many people's lives, not just lung cancer. I mean, my wife this year alone, we've yeah. met three of, our, three of our good friends that were diagnosed with cancer. Uh, uh, and it's devastating because one day, you know, you're thinking about tomorrow and what you're gonna do, and then suddenly your whole life is, is at a standstill. Um, how has this situation impacted you in terms of how you've been able to help others that are going through this? Well, Working with as many men and women and coming in contact with so many of our, our patrons in the airline industry, you reach the lives of a lot of people and you keep those connections going. And most people don't realize lung cancer is the number one cancer killer. They don't realize it kills twice as many women as breast cancer. And they don't realize it kills more people than colon, breast, prostate, and pancreatic combined. Wow. Even though lung cancer statistics are going up and smoking is going down, research really hasn't been afforded the funding, I think, personally, because of the stigma. So we're really excited to be here at the Super Bowl with the Chris Draft Family Foundation, Dr. Cassidy, and showing the support that we're all a team, that we can raise the awareness and save more lungs and lives. Because if you catch lung cancer in time, you have a 75% chance of surviving, and you can come run with Chris and me. There you go. Chris, how, how long have you been at this now? So I, I guess you, you could put the start date as December of 2010 when yeah. my, my wife was diagnosed, uh, or you could put it at uh, November, uh, uh -huh. of, uh, November 27, 2011, when we were married. And I think, um, you know, those are, you know, those, those are, those are really, the, really the dates. I mean, so you know, my, personally for you, uh, obviously, this is personal, yeah. um, and which makes it better because you have a passion for it. Yeah. Uh, but how has this helped you personally in terms of having the opportunity to deal with so many fantastic stories yeah. and people like this young lady? I, I tell you, it, it's amazing. So many people ask me because we're, we're dealing with cancer, and, and, and you know, again, it, it's serious. Lung cancer, five-year survival rate is, is only about 17, 18 percent. So, you know, there's a, you know, the reality is that we could lose, lose some folks and. And uh, you know, people have asked me, how, how do you deal with that? I, I said, if I only dealt with loss, then it would be extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. 
but I have the opportunity to get to meet survivors like Linda and, and similar to her across the country. So I get to meet people, amazing, amazing people. So they're, they're not just a number, they're not just a st statistic. They're somebody that's amazing, that is a unique individual, and they're, they're, they want to do more for their community. They're standing up in their community, and so to be able to stand by them, that's not so much different than what I had been doing before right. cancer. I mean, you know, my, the mission of the Chris Draft Family Foundation was empowering families to live healthy lifestyles, and in doing that, we're identifying advocates in our communities and standing with them. And so this is just a little bit different because it's lung cancer. The thing that I've always enjoyed about his mindset with this organization has been, you know, I had somebody in here the other day uh, from, uh, I believe it was a, uh, a substance abuse recovery program, and she said, you know, it's great physically to, to be healed, it's great mentally to be well, but when you leave the spiritual side yep. out of things, there's an emptiness. There is. Um, that's the thing I love about this guy, is he has a true belief in God, and, and he lives that out in the way he loves people, and the way he loves and runs this organization. Tell me about that, Chris. I, I'll tell you, my, my wife's faith was just was absolutely amazing, and, it, and it's, uh, I, had to, I had to speak to some med students about two, hour, you know, uh, uh, two months after my wife passed, and uh, they, they were asking, you know, the, the doctor was moderating, asked me, well, when, when did you guys have to accept that, you know, your wife was going to pass? And, and I said, well, you know, she, she really took it all the way to the end. I mean, she found a way to, to find the joy in each day and, and, and took it right to the end. And, and he kind of came back and he tried to ask the question again. And I said, you know, really, she did. And, and I could see he wasn't accepting it. And I, so I, I told him, I said, if it was 35 to 7, fourth quarter of a game, we're losing. Could that be my last game? And well, it, it doesn't matter what the score is. It could be the last game. And as much as we want it to be something amazing that you, that you, that you go out on, it doesn't always happen that way. You know? And so the ability to finish is what matters. And so in, in ball, if you were to give up, they would just destroy you. You know, they would look bad at you. But why is it in life, this thing that's so precious, this gift that we've been given, that someone will, will ask that, and it'll be more serious about not giving up in football versus life. Right. My wife loved this life. Mm -hmm. She had tremendous faith. She understood that she was going to go to a better place when she was done, but she was not going to just give up right. today. Right? Purpose. If you appreciate the life, you know you have to live it. And that's what she did. And even with her, the pain and even with all the craziness, and when I say that she found a way to find a joy in each day, and it was only through her faith that really allowed that to happen. Linda Wartman, 10-year survivor of cancer, sitting right in front of us. Here and uh, Chris Draft, the Chris Draft Foundation. Chris, if, uh, if others want to uh, have an opportunity to be involved in this in some way, how, how do they do that? Well, they can go to ChrisDraftFamilyFoundation.org or go to TeamDraft.org and definitely reach out to us. I mean, we, again, you know, we, are, we are changing the face of lung cancer, and, and it's not something that we can do by ourselves. We're looking for people that want to be champions out in the community and want to make change. Thanks for coming on Sold Out Sports Talk. Good luck with the rest of what you guys are doing. Thank you, and best of luck to your wife. You're welcome. God bless you. Thank God you. We'll be you. back on Sold Out Sports Talk right here on American Family Radio.
Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. And uh, we're here with a guy that I've been sought, sought out, seeking after for quite some time to get on my show. He was the number one draft pick of the San Diego Chargers from Washington State. But I uh, love this guy's story because uh, uh, so many people can uh, can appreciate it. Ryan Leaf with us. Ryan, how are you? Thanks, Roman. And thanks for having me. Hey, awesome to have you, man. I, I was a fan of yours. L- love watching you play. Uh, and I know, I know you had a great career in terms of college coming into the NFL. But what I'm interested in is uh, your agent was was a good friend of mine, Lee, Lee Steinberg. Right. And uh, you and I, you and I, uh, are fortunate because Lee went through a real difficult situation. He's been a he's been a real mentor to you, hasn't he? Uh, he has. I mean, he's always kind of been a mentor. He's my agent, of course, when I was coming into the league. And then, having gone through something similar, we have we have something in common and something we can. Uh, uh, relate to with one another and so he's been very helpful he's going to be a big part of my weekend this weekend he's uh his party of course and then as well as uh our event called the sober bowl which we're putting on here in minnesota so that's yours yeah oh man that's so cool when yeah. he did that i was really interested because you know so many people out there struggle with alcohol and drugs and, and i tell people all this all the time that if you don't know somebody in your family or outside your family or a good friend then you, you, you probably have been hiding somewhere. I, I agree, and I think that, uh, you know, this event is just uh, it's a it's a Super Bowl party, uh, the quintessential Super Bowl party uh, as an alternative, right? So it's a safe, sober environment for people who don't want to be around people with alcohol. Uh, it's going to be the least liability-wise party mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota this weekend, I do believe, uh, and we're excited for it. You know, and so I'm glad Lee was, is a part of it this year. we got a, some uh, some other great friends of mine. Craig Gass, the comedian, he's a, he's a part of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Second year this has happened. The reason why I'm so interested in your story is, is I have a brother who's one year younger than me who was an alcoholic for 17 years. And uh, it was one of the most heartbreaking things that, that I ever went through. Uh, and, and you know this, that so many people are hurt around the person who struggles with it, whether it's your family or your wife or your girlfriend. Um, t- talk to me a bit about the process for you. Uh, because you come full circle, and what's exciting about you is is that you have the ability to look at somebody and say, even though I've been through it, you can come out the other end. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the reason why we're so public about about my yeah. struggles. You know, because that's the when we do this, it has nothing to do with me personally. This has everything to do with the listener who who still struggles or is in a place where I was, you know, six six years ago. And and that's our hope is that uh, somebody will hear it, reach out and ask for help, and then you know. We got a tweet the other day or a message on Twitter where a guy said he heard me on a radio show 92 days ago and he wanted to just tell me, uh, write and tell me that he was 90 days sober. So, I mean, those are the impactful things that we're doing. And you were right about the family dynamic, right? The family doesn't realize how sick they get along with the process of having to deal with an addict in the family. And when you are going and seeking treatment, if the family isn't there with you, uh, it most likely will, nothing will change. You'll get back home and you've done all this work. The family hasn't, and the dynamic sh- doesn't shift. Uh, your muscle memory takes over. You are triggered by the right. things that your family deals with, and you go right back to what you've always done. I do a drug and alcohol education in public schools, um, and it's an abstinence program. And, you know, the numbers are that 28% of junior high students are going to try alcohol for the first time. And one of the things that I see is uh, many of these kids, uh, it's not their fault. They come from homes where they go home and mom and dad are, are alcoholics right. or drug addicts. Um, and they're looking for an out. They're looking to break the chain. And I say chain because that's exactly what it is. Uh, my family, my wife and I, 
our 12 and 14 year olds, we took all the alcohol out of our house. I'd seen what it had done with my brother and other members of my family. Right. Uh, so when we took it out of there, we were telling them, hey, it isn't just what we say. We're doing it. Yeah. And my daughter's never had a drink in her life, and, and my son doesn't drink. Um, and it really really was a positive thing for me and my wife because what we saw was is that kids are going to mimic what they see at home. And the message to parents needs to be, you know, you really need to be thinking about your kids and what they're seeing. It's hard to say to a, a, a learning child, you know, do what I say not what I do. You know, that's that's really hard to do because we, we watch what other people do. And we, like you said, mimic that. Um, that's why, uh, you know, becoming a father at 41 and and, and, and one in recovery is going to be so beneficial to how I raise my son and how that, how that comes about. I, I have a story to tell. But then again, through all this whole process, you can't control what choices these young young people make and that's why when i spread my message and i talk to it i can't take it personally if sure. if something happens if somebody does something my job is to spread the message talk about it raise awareness and what people do with that message is entirely up to them ryan leaf is with us uh, former number one draft pick of the san diego chargers and ryan when did it start for you when when, when did the alcohol problem begin for you you know, well, alcohol was never really the issue. It was truly Vicodin. It was yeah. it was the opiate. It was the opiate painkiller that I was given through all my surgeries while I was playing football, and then when my career was over, um, I did not know how to deal with life on life's terms, and uh, I turned to something that medicated me and killed the pain, the physical pain. And now I was looking for it to do that with the uh, emotional pain. And that's become such a big, such a big problem. Even that our president has taken a real initiative with this. That you have like eight—is it eighty-one deaths a day or something like that? It's—it's just—it's uh, outrageous. I completely understand how it's possible because it's such a psychologically affecting drug. It—it it takes over the chemistry in your brain quickly too. It's not like you have to be doing this drug for a while to be addicted. It's really, I think. A matter of seven to ten days of a, of a prescription where you could be, you know, obsessed with it to the point where you need to have it all the time. And for those of us who, you know, it changed our chemistry and made us feel better, or in my case, not feel anything, not feel the failure, the, the depression, all of these things, uh, it can be everlasting, but it, it, it runs out. You have to get to a point where you have to make a change, or otherwise it's just going to consume you. You know, you know what it's like to make decisions. <laughs> Uh, and to be intentional about your life. Um, is, is it hard to be recovered from this in terms of continuing to do it? The recovery, yes. You have to be, inter you have to be intervened with. You can't, you can't do it on your Cold own. It's just, and so I had to be intervened with. Um, the substance has been out of my system for a long time now, but those behaviors that, exhibit, that I exhibited for years before I ever took a drug, you know, those are in, your, in my life, and I, and I behaved that way for so long. And so when they rear their ugly head again. I have to be shown uh, from people I've surrounded myself with who hold me accountable uh, and uh, and not get defensive when I when I am told about it. Like, hey, you're acting out. Uh, you know, your ego is, is a part of this or, uh, you know, are you exaggerating yeah. that story at all? Because those are the those are the behaviors I exhibited while uh, while under the influence as well before. Well, the good news for you and me is, is coming from an athletic background, accountability is something that you're used to, or at least that you have to do, right? It's weird. Um, for being an athlete that made it to such an elite level, the word accountability, sometimes when you're an elite athlete, 
you are never accountable to anybody <laughs> or anything because you were given everything yeah. and told yes about everything. So the idea of accountability for me really changed uh, after this when I was able to walk by a mirror, especially while I was in prison, and look at myself in the mirror and say, "You are here because of what you did, nobody else, and the consequences are yours." And what was your part in all of this? So taking responsibility. Yes. Uh, a lot of kids today, the you know the accountability thing, they just don't learn it. It's just kind of out the window. Uh, everybody just goes with, well, whatever you think's right is right, and whatever I think is right is right. Right. So as you as you're involved with Transcend, I see the hat you're wearing, the recovery community. Tell me about Transcend and what you guys do. Well, yeah, we're a recovery community that's based in uh, Los Angeles, Houston, and New York, and uh, we're sober living environments for people who are dealing with substance abuse and mental health issues. And I'm lucky enough to be uh, the program ambassador for that. So I get to travel around the country, do these types of things, try to help people with those issues uh, and, uh, and get them into treatment or, or simply just be a, a sounding board for them if they need to ask for help or talk about it. And for our listening audience, you know, this isn't this is everybody's affected by this. If you if you just had a pain and you went to the doctor and they gave you a Vicodin or, or a strong uh, medicine, bottom line is, what is it for you? Uh, that makes this so special now in terms of having the opportunity to travel and to help others. And, and more importantly, for someone's out there listening to us, Ryan, who has the problem, what would you tell them? Well, for me, it's about service, right? So, you know, this, is, this isn't self-serving in any way. No. I'm not, you know, trying to gain anything from this, or I'm just trying to help somebody who is maybe in the same position I was. And I know how miserable I was and how I, at times, didn't even want to be here. Uh, be alive and, and I know there are other people who are dealing with that on a daily basis and if we can be an outlet for that uh, then I want to take on that responsibility and, and that's why we're so public about it Wow, Ryan Leaf with us uh, from Transcend Recovery Community and, and if, if we want information about Transcend, where do they go? Uh, TranscendRecoveryCommunity.com or you know, contact me directly on Twitter at Ryan D. Leaf. We just had somebody. I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. How they reached out and talked about how they heard something like this, you know, 92 days ago, and they just reached their 90 90 day sobriety uh, point. So, uh, you know, reach out to me personally if you need to. I'll, I'll I'll give you a call myself, and we can have a talk because my story is no different than yours. It's not m- more important because I played football, or less important because I was a you know a felon who went to jail. We have the same story. And your stories can be just as impactful to me as mine and to yours. Tell me one thing before I let you go. Uh, you're so closely tied to Peyton Manning, obviously, for a lot of reasons. What's your relationship with Peyton now? Uh, it's it's friendly. You know, uh, we text each other from time to time. Recently, uh, when he was uh, getting his uh, uh, jersey retired in the bronze statue outside of uh, Lucas Oil, um, I, I, I texted him and told him, congratulations, well-deserved. And then... Uh, I threw in a, a, a quick snapshot of my two-week-old baby boy at the time and, and said, by the way, my day was still better. And uh, <laughs> he sent back a, a text that said, I agree. So he understands what's important. He has children himself. So I'm really proud of him and what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, it's uh, to be considered, uh, you know, at a time uh, the equivalent of, of Peyton Manning, who may be arguably the best who have ever played, that's a pretty neat thing. And, and now that I know what's important in life, I can, I can look back and say that's pretty darn cool. Here's a question I know you probably have thought about. If this didn't happen to you, where where do you think Ryan Leaf would have been as a quarterback 10 years into the league? Probably be a 41-year-old with some Super Bowl rings. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. 
you know you know yourself what you used to yeah, be. There's some self awareness there. So so tell me real quickly about your family life. You said you said you had your first child. And, yeah. And, well, how's that impacted your life? Well, it just immediately shows you the you know the selfless nature of how you're going to have to live the rest of your life. Everything I do, any money I I, I earn is for him. Uh, um, everything I do is for him and for my partner too. She uh, she's an extension of him because she helped me. She helped give me this this other human being, and and to have a partner like that is is pretty amazing. And uh, she's a great mom. This is the longest I've been away from him. This will be yeah. 11 straight days. So it's uh, she's, she keeps shooting me videos, and it just it breaks my heart that I'm here, even though we're doing good work. Sure, sure. But uh, I, I want to hold him. I want to be around him because. He's never going to be that small or that cute like that, you know, that place again. Ryan, Leaf, where we go for Transcend Recovery again? TranscendRecoveryCommunity.com or reach out to me personally uh, at Ryan D. Leaf on, on Twitter and we can uh, we can help. Ryan, this has been a pleasure. I Thank sure, you. This, this was well worth the wait. All right, sir. Thank Thanks you for, for coming in, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Thanks for coming on Sold Out. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.